This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We're internet sensations, guys. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 to 7 on WSJS. We've made it to a Friday drive. It is WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where it'll be a slightly truncated show today by about 30 minutes. That's due to Duke, Arizona pregame coverage tonight. Boy, is that a massive game at Cameron. I'll be there later tonight. We'll hit on that game in a minute. However, we must get to the Carolina Panthers first. Losses aren't always on the head coach. For instance, when Bryce Young fumbled the ball away in scoring territory, up six against Minnesota, that wasn't on Frank Reich. When Bryce Young threw not one but two pick sixes against Indianapolis, that wasn't on Frank either. When they're as banged up as they were early on in the season, it's hard to blame coaching, especially with a new staff and so much turnover and a rookie quarterback. When you're as outmatched talent-wise as Carolina was in Detroit or Miami, it's a similar thing. There isn't an excuse for last night, though. Not a good one, anyway. Last night's loss to the Chicago Bears falls squarely on the shoulders of Frank Reich. He is fully responsible for it, and here's why. The selling point of Frank as a coach, going way back to January, was his offensive background. The Panthers, in their 28 years as an organization, have never had a head coach with offensive pedigree. That's true. So, to shake things up, here's Frank to try and make sure they have a top-tier offense. And he's a veteran coach means he has a ton of connections so he's going to hire this Avengers-like staff here's Thomas Brown who is under Sean McVay here's Parks Frazier from the Colts system here's oh Jim Caldwell we're going to spend a lot of David Tepper's money here's Dom Capers here's all these coaches oh Josh McCown think about how great the offense is going to be just as long as we get a rookie quarterback oh you traded up and you got your guy at number one and what has it amounted to A season-low 213 yards last night. The only game this year the Panthers have not scored an offensive touchdown. That's what last night was for the offensive-minded head coach who got his rookie quarterback, who got his staff, the guys he wanted, the quarterback he wanted, the staff he wanted, and what did it amount to? 213 yards and no offensive touchdowns. And the final drive was coaching malpractice. First off, no one's really talking about this piece of it today. They're just talking about what happened at the end of the drive. Absolutely no urgency on that drive. You got the ball back with seven minutes, roughly seven minutes left to go. And why is it taking five and a half minutes for you guys to not get inside their 40-yard line? To be clear, I'm not blaming them for not getting that far. The Bears have a defense that's trying to stop you from doing it. But why no huddle? Why are you snapping the ball on a moving clock with two seconds left on the play clock? Why that? Everybody's talking about the timeout today. And we'll get to that in a second. But maybe you wouldn't have needed that third timeout if you sped up the rhythm a little bit. If you sped up the offense a bit. And that's not unrealistic to expect for, again, the offensive guru. What? Why is it so slow? Why is it so slowly paced? It's incredible. Where was the urgency? 
And then you get to the third down timeout. The clock stop. There's 16 seconds left on the play clock. You call that timeout. And then you try the 59-yard field goal, a move that Matt Rule probably really admired. It seemed like every one of the close games, Matt Rule's trotting out poor Joey Sly to attempt a 61-yarder or a 59-yarder that he had no shot to make. That made no sense either because it wasn't consistent with what he did. I don't know. The previous drive, it's fourth and six from the 36-yard line, and they decide to go for it rather than kicking the field goal, a drive that ended up ending in a field goal anyway, understandably thinking, oh, they just don't want to try a 50-plus-yard field goal with Eddie Pinero in the cold in Chicago. And then the next drive, 59 yards, let's line them up. So let's hear his explanations. Here was Frank Reich first on the decision to call timeout on third down. Yeah, we broke the huddle and, you know, had a call that we liked, but, you know, we also had talked about another call, and as we broke the huddle, just said, you know, we just together decided let's let's go with this other call. Is it worth taking the timeout? And felt like the secondary, the two plays that we're talking, the second call maybe gave us more options to kind of, if we didn't have our conversion play, that we could still get five yards. That's why we did it. Okay. Yeah, they had a second play call that they liked a lot more. It's a 40-second play clock. 40 seconds. Is that call so much different with personnel that you can't get a ball snapped in 16 seconds when you change the play call at all? In that case, if it's going to require you to call a timeout in that spot, given how slowly you're moving the ball upfield, yeah, I'd say that it was not worth calling the timeout. Now on to the field goal. You know, there was mixed opinions about what we should do. That's my call. Um, I've seen us make 60 yarders in practice. Uh, felt like there was a little bit of a breeze at our back. The if you just look at the pure percentages, I think the pure percentage play is to kick it. You know, um, you know, it's, it's the, the fourth and 10 conversions, probably 30%. Conversion and a 60 yard field goal is higher than that. Um, do I second guess myself over it? I mean, yeah, after we missed it, yeah, I yeah, did. I'd like to think so. Uh, Frank's right about those analytics, but the thing that that doesn't account for, and he said, I think earlier today, maybe sound we could get to later, that he did regret doing so. The thing that that doesn't account for is you're just playing for the tie. You're doing something that's so low percentage that only nets you a tie ball game when if you were to take something that's a slightly lower percentage going for it on fourth down, with the quarterback, by the way, you just traded everything for to take number one overall, who had just converted on three fourth downs in the previous two series, you could have a chance to win the game, which didn't seem to be on Frank Reich's mind. This is different than the other losses. It's different than Minnesota. It's different than Indy. This one falls right on the shoulders of Frank Reich, and that's the first time I've really felt that way this year. On X at WSJS Radio. That's where we're streaming video in addition to YouTube and Twitch. That's where you could chime in as well. Well, Dalton, the executive producer of this show, while I'll be at Duke, Arizona tonight, what game will you be locked into? Well, I'm going to be locked into Duke, Arizona as well, but I'll be over here producing high school football. Glad you got a TV in the studio I, now. You know what? I thought about that. I'm like, you know, I can just put that right there while I do Independence and East Forsyth, which it's... It's all going down in Curtisville. Exclusively on WSJS.com. You can Got catch that, right. that game. The game that you can listen to on WSJS. It's Duke, Arizona. And regardless of how it shakes out, Caleb Love is the story tonight. Just think about who he is. 
He's the guy who hit the most iconic shot in the history of the Duke-Carolina rivalry. We talked about Armageddon for decades. What would it look like if Duke played Carolina in a Final Four? It happened, and it just so happened to be Coach K's last game, and Kayla loves the guy who hit the shot that pretty much put that game away. That's how he's going to be remembered, even if he plays in the NBA. Like When we think of Austin Rivers, who played almost a decade in the NBA, who's now doing TV, you think of that shot first he hit in college. Caleb Love to another level because of how big that shot was and what it means. And he also had two of his three most prolific regulation career games against Duke. 28 in the Final Four, 25 his freshman year at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And the history goes back a lot further than that, further than the Final Four. He wanted to go to Duke. Coming out of St. Louis, he wanted to go to Duke. The problem was Coach K had already signed a point guard in that class. WD, you know who that point guard was? Jeremy Roach. That is correct. And Jeremy Roach is still around at Duke. So there's a fun matchup for you to watch tonight. Caleb Love and Jeremy Roach doing battle one last time unless they meet in the NCAA tournament, of course. And then you had that memorable Instagram post from Caleb's freshman year. It's Caleb and Jeremy Roach in the photo. And Carolina just won at Duke. And the caption was, everyone a savage until they come face to face with one. Yeah. So there's some there's some history. There's some bad blood there. One thing is for certain tonight. The only thing I am completely sure of going into Duke, Arizona tonight at Cameron, Caleb's going to get the shots up. I don't know if Caleb's going to make the shots. Caleb's going to take the shots. Send me that cash out, family. I put it on Twitter or on X. 14 and a half shots over under. Without looking how many shots he's attempted in the pass against Duke. This is crazy. I went through it. He's attempted 107. 107 shots in his career against Duke. If you divide that by seven, uh, that's 14 and a half or 14.6. Per game. So over under 14.5 a game. I think he's going to go over that. Got to get one last crack at Duke. He averages 18 a game against the Blue Devils in those seven games, 40% shooting. Regardless of how it shakes up, shakes out, he's going to be the story tonight. To recap the week, it's crazy. It's Friday. Football Friday, Ryanstone Cowboy Friday, I guess a basketball Friday as well. To recap the week in the most efficient way possible, we will keep it simple and WD will shame me. Next. Now back to the drive with Josh Graham. Spend all your time with Last week we called for a Bryce Young coming out party. And what happened? The worst game of Bryce Young's life. And here I am again, picking Carolina to win. I am calling for them to bounce back and beat the Chicago Bears. Give it to Foreman. And he's in. Deontay Foreman takes it into the touchdown. If Carolina doesn't win this game, it's hard to find when the next win's going to be. Carolina's got to win tonight. Urgency. We're going to see that. And Nero's kick is no good. Carolina's going to get a good defensive effort against Tyson Bajan. Bryce is going to outplay Bajan. Carolina needs to win this game more. I think they're going to. Panthers 20, Bears 13. That's what's going to happen. At least they covered. 
You know, I'm not even gonna give you a send me that cash app family on that one. I can't do it. I can't do it. Great start to the weekend. I'll say. I'm never picking them again. <sighs> not gonna happen. I don't think I am. I don't I can't imagine picking them the next four games. I might talk myself into picking them against I don't know, Atlanta at home, Green Bay, Tampa. Never picking them on the road. No siree. Never again. So I deserve all that. My apologies. I made that happen. Now let's recap the week in the most efficient way possible, taking the Panthers out of the equation and keep it simple. Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple. Let's liven things up in here. Get a dance break at 3.20 in the afternoon. It looks a bit dreary outside. Uh Uh-uh, not inside the club. That's why they don't have windows inside the club. You know? Is that why that is? I know that's the way... That's the rumor when it comes to casinos, but I think that's been unfounded with some casinos. They don't want you to know what time it is. Probably the same true with clubs. Not this club, though. I I have a window right in front of me, and it looks kind of dreary. But to change that, we get a dance break. It's Luigi time. Uh, Yeah, you know, again, uh, at at that point... Loud noises! I'm a man! I'm 40! Call the number five! Come out, come out, wherever you are... Pay him. Pay that man his money. Good stuff. What's the first thing you have for me? NC State following up the win against Clemson with a win against Miami. A crowning moment for Doran. That man's been at NC State now 11 years. It looked like they were going completely in a bad direction. Maybe this could have been the last. We didn't know if bowl eligibility was going to be a thing after the Louisville loss. And then he made the move that changed the season, which is taking the red shirt off of MJ Morris just to be put back on MJ Morris. But at least it happens with the Wolfpack bowl eligible and in a good spot. Dave Doran, he has been the coach that I think the longer you're at a place, the more you kind of think of that school synonymously with the person. That's how I feel about Dave. He's perfect for state and state's perfect for him. I was trying to think if turn on the big, turn on the red light, big dog was going to fit in five words or less, but unfortunately it will not. Literally nobody showing up to see UNC beat Campbell. It's basketball season now, man. Sorry, Mac. Sorry, North Carolina. Louisville figured out a way yesterday against Virginia. Whew. There was some go ACC sauce on that one. There was some trouble. There was some trouble that the cards have had. But yeah, Virginia's played better over the last month. Just ask the Tarians. Um, the They still have a chance at the ACC championship, but it's a slim one and a lot of people have checked out now that basketball started. The Tar Heels will be at home on Sunday afternoon in hoop. You mentioned it. It is the start of basketball season. So let's get to that. Elliot Cadeau not starting 
the UNC opener. Leave it to you to make this UNC-centric all over the place. I'm not making a UNC-centric, but it's something that happened this week. We're asking about UNC and Campbell, as if that's a thing people care about. Well, nobody showed up, so I thought you might have an opinion on that. I have tons of opinions. Mm -hmm. That's what I've got. Uh, Coaching malpractice by Hubert Davis. It's like he's never had a five-star player before, partly because he hasn't as a head coach. Elliot Cadeau is his first incoming guy, and it frankly doesn't make sense that he's not starting right now. I've heard some of the arguments people have made, but I mean, I would have said the same thing if Jalen Blakes was starting over Tyrese Proctor. Oh, he's reclassified and needs to figure it out. Does he? He played less minutes than Paxson Wojcik was a lot better than Paxson Wojcik was. He's the first Tar Heel to lead the Heels in assists and an opener in 18 years. Yeah, Elliot's really good. Start the man. MJ Morris deciding he was going to redshirt the rest of the season. The vibes are off here. They're saying the right things. His dad, oh, well, if he wanted to transfer out, he would have transferred out in January. Dave Doran, oh, he's helping out with our scout team. But nobody, not Dave, not MJ, not his dad, have flatly said he's going to be at NC State next year. Which tells me they're listening to what some of these rich NIL schools might potentially offer, potentially could swoop in and grab him. And at that point, if it were to happen, if he were to leave NC State, I'm not going to do the thing where I say, oh, the fans, don't, don't, don't express how mad you are. Don't express. If you have fans investing in NIL funds and that money is going directly to players just for them to bail halfway through a season in order to make more money. I'm sorry. You're over the age of 18. You're not a kid anymore. You're making adult decisions and taking money from adults. People have the people are entitled to be upset. They are and they could express it. Louisville beating Virginia last night. <laughs> they avoided the go ACC. They avoided it. It was there. It's 24-17 Virginia. Again, shout out to Tony Elliott. They've, they've been playing better football in recent weeks, but man, that would have been catastrophic for the ACC if they had lost that game. So it does seem like it's going to be Louisville in the ACC championship game with a slight chance of North Carolina potentially getting there. And in honor of this picture that was just actually posted up yeah, on the window here in the our studio. Our Ohio State uh, boss just hung up a picture. Ohio State fan boss. Yeah. A photo of Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's face on Ryan Gosling's body and Connor Stallion's face on Rachel McAdams' body. It's the like uh, the notebook. Um, it's, it's the notebook. What's the word I'm looking for? Poster. And it says the signal book. That's what's up in our studio right now. Yeah. The reports that there could be some repercussions handed down to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh today. Keep it tuned to WSJS. Because <laughs> something is probably going to go down during today's show. Like we have people following his bus, following him getting on the bus. Is that right? Like this news... 7 a.m., you have the reporter saying, oh, something, hearing something's going to be handed down today. And we'll see. Like, we got Biff Pogey tweeting about this now. Biff Pogey just said, because he spent time at Michigan, he's Charlotte's coach. 
I've been, he just said this an hour ago. I've been quiet on the Michigan situation, but no longer. I was close to Jim Harbaugh, closer to him over the last three years than anyone except his wife and kids. If Jim knew, I would have known. I didn't know about this, and neither did he. I stake my reputation on it. Stop whining and get a better team. I think I'm with Biff on this. Let's get one more dance break in here. Someone points out Sarah McLaughlin to dance music. What a transition. I'm Mo Green. Turn on the red light, big dog. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Duke. Boston College. You know what time it is, right? I got my crew here. I had some idiot uh, go Old Testament on me, and he got an Old Testament response. This ain't a basketball school. He can kiss my Amen. Yeah. Something's coming down today. My guess, if it's a suspension, it'll be a one to two game suspension. Probably a one game suspension, and then Harbaugh will appeal. And then if it goes through, it'll be he'll miss the Maryland game next week. He'll figure out a way to coach this game against Penn State. He's not missing the Ohio State game, if I had to guess. But I'll show you this picture that we have here in studio. I think I can move the camera a little bit here. WD. We've got the signal book that's hanging up on our wall. We do have that right here. Wonderful. There you go. Excellent camera work. Steady hands. Well yours done. Truly for those who are watching on YouTube, Twitter, Multitask. and on X. Yeah, just a really talented person. What can I say? Now the shot's off. I can already hear WD. Some of his, yeah. you know, ADHD. I'll just be quiet. Coming in. Is Frank Reich's job in danger? Year one as Panthers coach? It could be. And I'll tell you why next. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. We told you to keep it tuned to WSJS, and we meant it because a couple of minutes ago, Pete Thamel just handed down the news. The Big Ten is expected to discipline Michigan for the in-person scouting and ongoing sign-stealing investigation. They will prohibit Jim Harbaugh from being on the sideline until the conclusion of the regular season. He will be allowed to coach the team during the week. That is three games that he will not be allowed on the sideline for. At Penn State tomorrow, home against Maryland, home against Ohio State. That Maryland game might actually be on the road, but it's Maryland. They're not any good. There you go. This is happening literally as the team is in flight to Happy Valley. Jim Harbaugh was on the bus. Jim Harbaugh got on the plane. The plane left about an hour ago on their way to Pennsylvania. So there you go. That's the news, and we'll see if there's any reaction from Michigan between now and the end of our show today. Frank Reich is not guaranteed a second season with the Carolina Panthers. Not after last night. Not after this horrific start to the season. To be clear, this isn't me endorsing a coaching change. This is me speaking about the realities about NFL coaching jobs and the realities that exist with the person who happens to own this team. Because firings of first-year coaches... It's more common than you think, probably. Last year, we saw the firing of a first-year coach in Denver. That was Nathaniel Hackett. 
We saw the firing a year before that of Urban Meyer. The Houston Texans have had four head coaches in four years. Can you name them? D'Amico Ryans is the coach now. Bill O'Brien a little while ago. Lovey Smith last year. And then there was that one David Culley season. Rod Chudzinski in the last decade. Panthers OC, one year with the Browns. Steve Wilkes leaves the Panthers, one year with the Cardinals. This is something that happens. The Panthers are 1-8. and eight. They don't have a first-round draft pick next year. What's going to get people excited? What's going to get people hopeful that something's going to be different, that something's going to change? And looking at their schedule, when's the next win going to come? It's not going to be when your stadium is three-quarters full of Dallas Cowboy fans nine days from now. It's not going to be probably the next three games because they're all on the road. If you're not going to win in Chicago, which road game are you going to get? And again, we're talking about David Tepper here. The same man who said he made a mistake by bringing Matt Rule back as a lame duck for that final half year. The same man who just this week fired the Charlotte FC head coach that just took Charlotte FC to their first ever playoffs in franchise history in just year two of that franchise existing. He's rich enough to throw money at the problem. He is the richest owner in the National Football League. Worth $18 billion, according to Axios, earlier this year. And Frank Reich understands this. Frank, he was meeting with the media earlier today. A post-mortem, if you will, after the loss in Chicago. And he spoke about not meeting David Tepper's expectations. I haven't spoken with him today, but I do think that he's driven. You know, he's driven to be successful. He's driven to give the Carolinas you know, a winner, and uh, and he wants to do whatever it takes to do that. So um, I'm excited about that. Um, I understand, you know, that I'm accountable to him, first and foremost, more than anybody. So, uh, you know, I have to meet those expectations as the head coach. This is the last piece of it, too. David Tepper's likely uninterested whenever the next time he makes the changes of firing a head coach, or a GM separately. That cycle has not worked over the last four or five years since David Tepper has taken over. That's something that probably needs to change. Maybe it's a year from now that the next change happens. Maybe it's years down the line if the Panthers are able to figure some things out. But it could be this year. Think about it this way. Matt Rule inherited Marty Herney. Scott Fitterer inherited Matt Rule. Frank Reich inherited Scott Fitterer. When the Raiders made their move, they blew it all up. And a lot of people do that. And there might be some value to doing that. So rather than firing Scott Fitterer and him being the fall guy, it could be as simple as, if I'm going to fire Scott Fitterer, I'm going to fire the head coach too. And we're going to rebuild this thing where there's alignment. Nobody's inheriting anybody. That's the way we're going to go about building this team the next time and making sure we take advantage of these rookie contract years for our quarterback, Frank uh, Bryce Young. But no, Frank Reich shouldn't feel safe. I don't think he does feel safe because he's not guaranteed anything. Not guaranteed a second year. No, sir. Tomorrow, I'll be at NC State Wake Forest. Darren Bott's going to join us, by the way, to answer unusual questions in just a bit. On WSGS, you could listen to Duke and North Car- uh, Duke Carolina in football. WD will be at that game 
8 o'clock kick tomorrow night. Here's how I feel about that game. North Carolina's not going to lose that game. Mm-mm. Not without Riley Leonard on the field for Duke, and he's out for a little bit. Not in Drake May's final home game. Now, he hasn't said that that's the case, but he's going to be a top 10 pick now. <laughs> if Sam Howell's going to leave going in the fifth round, you know, I think I think Drake's as good as gone. And it could be Mac Brown's last home game, too, at Keenan. That's possible. He's 72 years old. And Mac doesn't lose to Duke. He's won 12 in a row. And the last time he lost, I think, was to Steve Spurrier in 1989, that magical year where the photo was taken with the scoreboard in the background. Duke, they're going to be without Riley Leonard. They're a banged-up team. They're banged-up up front. I assume Henry Beelan's going, but it could be Grayson Loftus. North Carolina's a two-touchdown favorite in this game, and I think that's right. The Tar Heels, they still have a shot at the ACC title game, even with Louisville's win last night. The only way Louisville clinches going into their next game at Miami is if North Carolina loses to Duke. So there are stakes here. There are things on the line. It's senior day. It's an emotional day. Not a game I see North Carolina losing. No way I see that happening. We must talk. Go ahead. Talk back to the drive with Josh Graham. Last night, one of our state's marquee teams was on the marquee. Panthers, Bears, gross. Tonight, the same thing will happen, but it's actually one of our state's very good teams. Duke hosting Arizona tonight, which you can listen to on WSJS. It's the reason our show is being shortened 30 minutes today. Darren Vaught joins us now. Darren, I know you've got high school football tonight, but what's your level of intrigue for Duke, Arizona, especially with the Caleb Love piece to this? Um, Very high. I don't know that that Caleb is the reason it's high. I mean, you know, I, I always like these, these big-time early season matchups. Um, it was something I was talking about earlier today. I'm excited to go tonight, and Caleb is a big part of the reason just because he hit the most iconic shot in the history of the Duke-Carolina rivalry, and he gets to play in Cameron one more time. But I've never seen Arizona before. You know, I've been here for well, and I think that's an elite basketball program. I think to that point, that's another intriguing element to this. Normally, when you get sort of the blue blood early season matchup, a lot of the time anymore, it's at a neutral site. It's like up at MSG or something. Like the the fact that Arizona's coming to Cameron feels like a little bit bigger of a deal, at least locally. And Duke's going to return to Arizona next year. And we're seeing more coaches do that. Duke, for example, North Carolina and Kansas will have the home-and-home that starts next year. Kansas has not been to Chapel Hill ever, and North Carolina hasn't been to Lawrence, Kansas since 1960. So it's that's a pretty cool deal that that's happening. Let's get into unusual questions. Right off the rip, let's do it. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Gray. And I'm going to give Darren Vaught the floor here, voice of USA Baseball, ACC Baseball, etc., voice of the ECU Pirates, voice of High Point Basketball. Gosh, what doesn't he do? It's so amazing. Lottery boy. High school, lottery boy, high school football. <laughs> so much. Unusual question asker. What do you have? It just so happens, too, that, like, 
this is the time of year where all of those things are intersecting. So uh, life's a bit hectic, but it's all good. All good stuff. I've got an unusual question. And I'm glad that's very that's simply right. Cause that's kind of the whole point of this thing. Very simply. What is the best recent adult purchase? And you can define that however, but a one-time adult purchase. So I don't mean like, you know, you found a, an adult beverage you like, because that's something that's going to continually happen. Like a, a what is a thing that you purchased that seems adult-like? I'll give you a second because I've got one. What do you have? I I asked, what was it, last week about as seen on TV items, and I was sure. sort of getting to this and never got to it. That boys, sounds good. boys, we bought a squatty potty. <laughs> and let me tell you, the bowels have never been happier. <laughs> We're a couple months in. Yeah. Don't, please I'm, tell me, WD. You, oh no, he's looking at me that way. He doesn't know what it is. I don't, I don't want know what you. it is. I don't want the explanation either. You know, just use your friend Google. That that was thinking about doing it. Thank you. That that does I, sound I'll, like I'll very. Can, no, hold on. We'll, we'll give the snapshot. The prime bowel moving seat seating the way of way that you sit includes your legs being up a little bit oh. it's a stool it's a I'm, stool. i am interested in what the adult purchase for wd might be like what's the what's something that you would even classify as not being a childlike purchase i don't know like eye drops i got some eye drops the other day even will's adult purchases are like nerdy star wars memorabilia that he wouldn't have been able to afford before he was you, like you a grown man right. with a full-time job like that's absolutely <laughs> absolutely he I, nailed that one i'm trying to think what would be classified because there there are certainly some mundane things that that would classify let me let me try to return to that a little bit later on okay but last night i went to an event at my church that they said they had a surprise guest speaker. I'm like, okay. So we're there. And it's a comedian. A stand-up comedian was doing comedy at our church. And I immediately thought, this is going to be interesting. And it's not going to be good. That would have been my first thought. <laughs> that's, that's, I'll be honest. That was a thought that I had. And here's the thing, Darren. It was very good. I was, I was amazed at how good it was. And you know how much I love stand-up comedy. Yeah. Whether it's clean, raunchy, whatever. I love it all. And I was amazed at how good it was. And it just had me think, who's your favorite comedian going right now? As general as I can make it. Like, who's a stand-up comic that you really like? And, I, uh, you know, maybe not even stand-up, just, just comic. This is bad. I, I see, so... Some of some of the more recent, like sort of more popular people, I see like scrolling on TikTok. So I don't sure. get like their full bit. Um, and so like some of them I can recognize and I don't know their names off the top of my head, which makes me feel bad because I want to support them and want to like clue other people in. Um, I mean, I love Gerard Carmichael, although he's not like doing stand up right Do now. Do you know where Gerard Carmichael's from? Yeah, he's a Winston-Salem guy. I know that. Come on. Shout out. Winston-Salem. Big week for Winston-Salem. Stephen A. was in town doing first. Yeah, for, how about that? First right down the road. 
Yeah. Not not in Kernersville, but in Winston-Salem. It was. It's true. Pointing that out. You can't play the drop while I doing can't. this, can't you? I can't. This is coming out of the I same thought you would have. I thought you would have hit it about three or four times. <laughs> I wanted to. I, mean, I know believe you me, I, I wanted see, to. I could lock an eye, eyes with you. For me, there's this comic that did some sketches that now had this new Netflix special that's really good. Uh, Shane Gillis. Yep. Dude, this guy is hilarious. You've showed me a few of his bits. Now, he he rough around the edges because he was like canceled by SNL like a handful of years ago, like a day after he was hired because of something he said on his podcast like 10 years ago. I don't know. I have, I've just been getting into it. But he, uh, that's a guy I've just been seeing a lot of clips because that's the way I consume comedy too. It just, it's on my YouTube feed. It's on whatever. Oh, this this is just really funny. I've seen the Gillis dude. He He's funny. The one I was thinking of, I actually, no joke, the first time I saw a, a clip of his on TikTok, I sent it to your former producer, Robert Walsh, yeah. because it just reminded me of a conversation or probably a few conversations I had had with Robert before about how um, this guy was talking about he gets into a cab and he's in New York City, but he's from like Franklin, Tennessee or somewhere. Nate Bargatze? No, Trey Crowder is the guy's name. Oh. Oh, Trey okay. Crowder, and it's T-R-A-E if people want to look him up. Really funny bit about how people sort of uh, jump to conclusions because he's got this thick Southern accent, and he tries to – he always – this whole bit is about him trying to compensate for it. So he's, like, sitting in a cab talking to this guy, and he's, like, trying to use as big of words as he That's can. That's Robert Walsh. <laughs> it's awesome. It was it was a great little bit. So I I have been down the rabbit hole a few times on Trey Crowder. He's really funny. All right, WD, who's your comic, real quick? Recently, I've been getting into Matt Rife. Yeah, uh, that's, that's believable. Funny. Matt Rife, believable. Uh, it is. He's kind of got the f boy shtick going on, and he also puts out a lot of clips on TikTok. And I'm it's, still not on TikTok. It's not even so much his. Apparently, our show is though. Yes, got to get some clips on there. Uh. Apparently, it's not so much his bits that is his best stuff. It's his crowd work. He's big in the crowd work. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what. Well, that was the most predictable answer you could have given, Will. I just. You know what? I have a feeling. It's not a bad thing, but I'm just telling you. A, I thought it, it wasn't a bad answer, though. Yeah. So I'm I was just expecting move it to get clowned on that. What's your what's your unusual <laughs> question? Oh, yeah. I haven't given one yet. So it is a little bit dreary out today, at least over here where we are in Winston. What is your vice? Whenever it's like a dr messy, dreary day out. Like, for example, mine is like, I literally just want to play video games and eat chili all day. Naps and movies. Easy answer. Naps and movies. I'll watch a couple. Naps, man. I just like, I don't, I don't get nearly enough time for naps. I would, yeah. Like today. Apparently dudes are bigger in the naps than women are. This is something I've learned. Really? Over recent months. I believe that. Well, it's, I think not to overly generalized but i think most women probably um are more keen on going to bed at an earlier more reasonable hour too so like overnight they get their sleep whereas like you know i'll stay up till two or three for zero reason at all and it's like midday the next day man why am i exhausted oh because i got five hours of sleep and that's been unusual questions on the way out, Darren, how much purple is in your closet with ECU <laughs> and High Point now? Part of your so roommate? much, so much, man. So like, 
Coach Michael Perry and I, for radio broadcasts, we still wear like t- shirt and, and jacket, um, tie sort of optional. We're, we're on the radio. I'm not holding myself to that. But for the first game the other night, I wanted to sort of like look as presentable as possible. I wore a purple tie, had a purple pocket square. Um, and then I ended up wearing another purple tie two nights ago because I did UNC women's basketball on ACC Network Extra, but they were playing Gardner-Webb. So my logic there was blue and red makes purple. But really, it's just because purple is a super neutral color in most cases, and I've already got a ton of it. So I like, you know, for for the TV stuff, I'm probably just going to be wearing purple every time because most likely it's not one of the team's colors. Lovely, royal, majestic color. Darren Vaught. Look uh, look forward to hearing a lot of your broadcast, hearing a lot of your voice in the next few months. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, yeah uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Can't express this enough. High school football state playoffs well underway. East for Scythe Independence exclusively on WSJS.com. Not where you're listening to me right now, unless you're listening on WSJS.com, which case, yes, you can listen that way. If you want to catch East for Scythe Independence tonight, Dave Pulaski and Drew Brackett, WSJS.com is where you go. Dave Pulaski, as he does each week, joining us in studio. I want... Before we get to the high school football, okay, you're here for perspective. Okay. Because last night, the Carolina Panthers lost to the Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. and I have to hear from Panther fans telling me how they're the Cleveland Browns now, how they are a cursed franchise, and, oh, worst winning percentage since 2019. It's so bad. You root for the New York Jets. I was going to say it's worse than the Jets. What goes through your mind? When you hear Panther fans complaining about the state of their franchise. I mean, I I feel like it's a little bit early to judge Bryce Young. I mean, he's, you know, we're, we're half a season in to his NFL career. Yeah, Not everybody has these, you know, C.J. Stroud-like performances right out of the gate. I mean, some people have growing pains. And to be fair, most Panther fans, I think, get that. But then you go next level with the cynical and it's, well... Even if Bryce is good, we'll never know it because of David Tepper or because of Frank Reich or all this. I see WD nodding oh, that's his head very, right now. I mean, listen, it's valid. Tepper what, might ruin Bryce. That could happen. But then I hope not. Just stop acting like the Panthers are this cursed franchise, this miserable whatever. Like right now, it's bad. But this is the first time the Panthers have ever experienced any type of stretch of bad of what truly bad looks like. And I know what you're probably thinking. Oh, we had the Jimmy Clausen year. Oh, we had the right, Chris Winkie 1-15. That's the point. The next year, you got Julius Peppers, and then you're great. Right. The next year, you got Cam Newton, and he wins Rookie of the Year. Right. Like, like the Jets ruined Sam Darnold and then gave him to the Panthers and then went ahead and ruined another quarterback. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, that was kind of a cyclical act for – Several years like I after to, Chad Pennington. I have to take these calls. Like I've this is the benefit of me having done this now for here in the triad, longest running local sports talk show. 
I, I've been through multiple cycles of GMs, and remember the day they're fired, and it's, oh, Marty Herney was terrible. Really? When he picked in the top 10, he took Peppers, Gross, Cam, Keekly, McCaffrey, Derek Brown. No misses. Not one. That's the list of top 10 picks that he had. And all I could think is, let's go through the Cleveland Browns top 10 picks. You don't have a Tim Couch. Here's the worst part. The first round of the draft next year. Oh, yeah. Panthers are picking where? <laughs> and I when you're in a that. rebuild and you don't have a first round pick and a top five pick at that, that's rough. I want to be sympathetic. Like if it's just that, I understand frustration. I understand disappointment. Don't say you're the worst or you have it worse. Minnesota fans would like to talk. Yeah. Jet fans would love to talk. The Browns have been around since the beginning of time, and you've been to two more Super Bowls than they have in the last 30 years. You've been to more Super Bowls than the Cowboys have since your existence. Two more, specifically. It's bad right now. I'm sympathetic. Have some perspective. That's all I'm going to say on that. Thank you for uh, allowing me that opportunity for perspective of being a Jet fan. Hey, I have to be your, your therapy for this, right? Thank you. We'll get back to the Panthers and to our therapy in just a little bit. But the high school football game of the week, East Forsyth Independence. WD, remind me, geographically, where is East Forsyth located? Kernersville. Oh, that's right. Kernersville. Kernersville. Right, right down the road. Um, what was appealing to you about this matchup between East Forsyth and Independence? Uh, a lot of star power. Um, you're talking about two teams that have a combined 10 state championships between the two of them. Uh, you know, Independence, of course, had that dynasty in the early 2000s, winning 109 straight games when Chris Leak was the quarterback. And ironically, their head coach, DJ McFadden, was one of their quarterbacks. He went 32-0 and in two seasons mm-hmm. as a starting quarterback for them in 2005 and 06. But when you go to the here and now, the Patriots have – a quarterback in Justin Little who is getting numerous uh, Division One and FBS offers. They have a, a strong safety in uh, uh, Quentin Reddish who is uh, committed to Virginia Tech. They have uh, his younger brother Nick who's getting multiple Power 5 offers only as a sophomore. Uh, on the East Forsyth side, Bryce Baker, uh, the quarterback who transferred over from Walkertown this past offseason, he's already committed to UNC. And he has 36 touchdowns and three interceptions this season. So there's a lot of people in Carolina Blue getting pretty excited about him and his future. And uh, Jai Richburg, one of their receivers, is picking up Boston College and Duke offers during the last couple of weeks. So there, there's a lot of future ACC talent out there on the field tonight. Duke in what school? Boston College. Uh, yeah. WD, always ready to go. Curtisville. Yeah, that's where tonight's game's going to be on WSJS.com. Get, get the BC meme ready. East Forsyth Independence tonight. What are some other games across the triad that you're especially interested to follow? Uh, I'm interested in seeing how the other side of that bracket ends up going. Between uh, Mount Tabor going to Mooresville, Tabor coming off of that big win over Davie County last week, hitting the road to take on a Blue Devil team that very nearly lost to A.L. Brown. They kicked a field goal on the last play of regulation to force overtime. And they ended up winning in overtime to stay undefeated on the season against a 5-5 five and five AL Brown team. So Tabor, at least on, on the surface with the way that they're playing right now, they have a great shot at knocking off Mooresville. And then West Forsyth on the other, uh, in that same bracket, they're going down to Matthews to take on Butler. If they can get an upset win there, you'd have an all-triad third round between 
two conference rivals, Tabor and West Forsyth. This guy could be a bit of a loose cannon sometimes, WD. Dave Pulaski in with us, East Forsyth Independence. The game's on WSJS.com. I don't think he's regulated by the FCC tonight. Ooh, I don't You know what? That's, that's I don't think valid. he is. Unfiltered. He could just let it fly. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Now, well, since we work for the Truth Network, oh, he won't do that. Right. But, no. but just know. You could. It's he could. in the back of my head. <laughs> That's it. Just know when you listen to Dave Pulaski on WSJS, you don't know what could come out of his mouth. There are no fines that are going to be handed out based on the things he says. Only firings. That's that's true. That's valid. That's valid. That's true. That's that's something that could happen. Some of his jet. The other f word could come <laughs> <Not> out. Firing. <laughs> Dave Pulaski, have a wonderful broadcast tonight, my friend. Seven thirty. Uh, seven o'clock kickoff. Seven o'clock kickoff. Curtisville. Six o'clock pregame. And the reason why that it's going to be on WSGS.com is because of some game between Duke and Arizona. Yeah, that one's okay. Oh, I'll, I'll be, I've, I've I've been be asking, checking the scores on that. I've been asking this question all day today. Caleb Love, over under 14 and a half attempts tonight. Attempts? Attempts. Oh, attempts. Easily over. <laughs> easily. Let it rip. Burn the hand. He's gonna he's gonna shoot fifteen times. Let I don't know I don't know how many of them are gonna go in, but they're gonna go up fifteen times. And yeah. one of them just for old time's sake is gonna be at the top of the key. At least nineteen. <laughs> at I'll, least I'll, 19. I'm, I'm going higher. Yeah. Whoa. I'm going much higher. Where's Where's the JC Horn drop? Get Give me that cash out, fam. Get some juice on that one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's prep a prop you could look at. But anyway, enjoy the football. I'll be at Cameron tonight for that. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks so much. That's Dave Pulaski, voice of our high school football game of the week that you can listen to on WSJS.com. 7 o'clock kick, 6.30 pregame. Independence at East Forsyth, which, in case you didn't know, is located there.